Hi, it's John from CEO Raider. I know we need bumper music. We need some type of intro music, something I'm working on. I just don't want to settle for sort of the easy options that are out there. So until we do it right, we're not going to do it at all. The, the theme for tonight's podcast is persistence, particularly as it applies to the entrepreneur, although the, the, the rule, the principle can be applied to, to anybody, obviously. But in the case of the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur must be especially persistent. Uh, bringing a new a new product, a new a new service, uh, a new portfolio of services to market. Um, occasionally, those products and services uh, not only are they they new in the literal sense, but they're new from the perspective of there aren't other offerings in the marketplace that look like your offering. So it makes it difficult for maybe customers to perceive how to uh, how to work your solution into their business, into into their day, into the into their uh, user experience. It makes it difficult for um, uh, the venture capital folks to 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 bucket your company. And as a, as a former uh, sell-side analyst that, that shares a mindset similar with, with many of the venture folks, financial types like to put things in, in, in neat little buckets. Oh, your company does X, it's FinTech. Oh, it does Y, it's HR tech. Oh, it does this, it's analytics. So on and so forth. Uh, AI, application, CRM, all, all sorts of uh, buzzwords that, that describe a given company from the perspective of the the industry domain it addresses uh, the customer base it addresses so on and so forth so so nomenclature is a, a, a big deal and if if you can't neatly bucket a particular company into a, an existing bucket well maybe it's a bit of a problem problem child uh, maybe we don't give that entrepreneur a call back or maybe we call them back last if we're going to call them back at all. Uh, maybe we don't do the due diligence on, on that on that company. Speaking from the perspective of a of a venture capitalist, because I, I I can't bucket it easily, neatly. I have to actually work at it and do real diligence, and I don't have time for real diligence. I have enough deal flow as it is. So the entrepreneur must be persistent. Uh, be persistent in describing your company. Be persistent in reaching out to customers. Be persistent in educating customers as to the customer value prop, the customer ROI. Help them understand why you're doing XYZ a, a, a different way or why you brought XYZ to market when it's not a different way, but it's a different paradigm. Yeah, I don't think we as consumers thought of the iPhone until it was in our hands and then, oh, this makes sense. People often don't know what they want until they have it. It's just human nature. And if it's the, the, the more uh, category-defying, uh, paradigm-altering your solution is, the more your resistance you're going to find in the marketplace. 
I don't understand it. I'm busy. I don't have time to understand it. And that could be a customer. That could be uh, a, a, a venture capitalist. That could be that could be anybody. It's just human nature. People don't want to take the time to to learn new things. Generally speaking, generally speaking, uh, eight people out of ten just aren't intellectually curious. Eight people out of ten want to get through their day with the least amount of friction as possible. And the more time they could spend at the water cooler or grabbing a cup of coffee, the, the better. The less fires that they put out in a given day, the, the, the better. The least amount of work they could do by collecting the same paycheck, the better. So the incentive structure is set up such that it works against the entrepreneur, not in the entrepreneur's favor. So, by definition, it's an uphill battle for the entrepreneur. Therefore, the entrepreneur must be persistent. Educate the customer. Educate the VC. If the VC doesn't respond to your emailed business plan deck, as I call it, pick up the phone and call them. If it's one where you think this is a good fit, if you've heard good things about them. We'll probably do a separate show on VCs at some point. But be wary of the VCs that where the partners aren't operators, if they're all financial types. Or if the operating partner is somebody who raised money in 99, 2000, when all you had to do was add the extension .com to the name of your company back in 99, 2000 to raise money. My grandmother, God bless her, if she was still alive, she'd be able to raise money in 99, 2000 without lifting a finger. If she had a pulse in 99, 2000, you could raise money. Beware the venture partner who their operating experience was taking company XYZ from 10 to 20 million in sales in 99, 2000. And that was their most recent operating experience and, and, and John Doe's the operating partner. Be wary of that firm. Be wary of the firm where all the, the, the partners are, are former bankers. My experience with bankers is that most of them are mediocre. They're transaction-oriented. They're not intellectually curious at all. And they're there to get a deal done. The best deal at the best valuation with the least amount of friction. Maximize deal turnover. Maximize deal velocity. Be wary of the venture firms that, are, if, if you look at their recent investments, they're all in sexy spaces. So the sexy spaces today are artificial intelligence, machine learning, Bitcoin slash cryptocurrency, cybersecurity, to name a few. Those are sort of the, the primary ones just off the top of my head. Because in the venture game, you know, half the game is adventuring in companies that will actually generate a return. And it's always difficult to tell which, if you, you know, from the perspective of the, of the, of the VC, you know, which portfolio companies, which investments are going to work. Uh, so you try to do two things, maximize the probability of a particular investment working. And then try to invest in hot spaces so that when you have your 
meetings and you send out your letter to your limited partners, you can talk about all the cool investments you've made in these sexy spaces that the limited partners are reading about in the business press. Why? Because it helps you raise the next fund. So half of the game is making money on the investments that you execute, on the deals you execute, and half of the game is raising the next fund. You know, with some firms, I think it's 20-80, 20%. Let's actually try to make some money and do, you know, invest in companies where we believe in the entrepreneur, believe in the business, and 80% is let's, let's you know, it's all about the next fund. Be wary of uh, venture firms that aren't entrepreneur-focused. So if their MO is, you know, put money in and swap out the CEO for uh, a CEO that we've done business with in the past, a, a professional CEO, a CEO for hire. Can't stand those guys. Uh, when I used to cover public companies, I couldn't stand CEOs for hire. They knew the business. They knew what was going on in the business. They couldn't grow the business to save their life, most of these guys. Because they weren't there on day one. They didn't fundamentally understand the DNA of the business. So to grow the business organically with new product, drive new product growth, most CEOs can't do it. By new product, I don't mean taking the core product and, and, and tweaking it and adding a new feature. That's not new product. Creating new product in the space that you address. Most CEOs, companies suck at it. And that's my experience in, in software and technology. And I'm sure it's you know, you know, the similar, uh, that, that general rule applies across other industry verticals would be my guess. So the entrepreneur is going to cut through all this bullshit. Cut, fight, be persistent, educate, communicate, repeat, repeat, repeat. Jack Welsh used to have a saying. Jack Welsh, uh, former CEO of GE, retired in, I think it was June 2001, used to say that only when he wanted to vomit and the sound of his own voice made him nauseous, only then did he feel as though his message, his, his message to employees was, was starting to get through. And the entrepreneur has to take a similar approach. Educate ad nauseum. Communicate ad nauseum. Repeat, repeat, repeat. That applies to employees. That applies to board members. That applies to, 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 to customers. But the, uh, the onus is on the, on the entrepreneur. Entrepreneur.